Welcome to the Arms Race. This is the podcast where we attempt to determine which action star has the highest body count in movie history, currently by watching every Sylvester Stallone movie one at a time. I'm Kevin Keane. And I'm Mike Olson, and today we'll be discussing Ants, released by DreamWorks Pictures on October 2nd, 1998. Starring Woody Allen, Dan Aykroyd, Anne Bancroft, Jane Curtin, Danny Glover, Gene Hackman, Jennifer Lopez, John Mahoney, Paul Mazursky, Grant Schaud, Sylvester Stallone, Sharon Stone, and Christopher Walken. Written by Paul Weitz, Chris Weitz, and Todd Alcott. Directed by Eric Darnell and Tim Johnson. And those credits were in alphabetical order, so that's... I did not read that, so yes. Yes, just to be clear. Makes sense that Woody Allen is top billed. Unfortunately. For better and for worse. I guess for worse. Uh, There's no for better, really. No, and even, <laughs> even before, you know, the last year, two years, I never was a Ten fan. Ten years, probably. Well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. I never was a fan. Yeah. It's obviously only been exacerbated yes. by uh, the last couple of years. For, for the most part, you can you can kind of forget that Woody Allen is playing the main can character. You? It's only the, the opening and closing scenes where they kind of acknowledge it and kind of I guess. make it kind of into a Woody Allen movie in a sort of a way. But I, I started to forget. But, I mean, you're right. I was just willing myself to forget, I guess, I, I think for you're, my own uh, well-being. Yeah, because this, this unlike, I, I think... A lot of at least maybe I'm thinking of Pixar. It's basically his movie. I mean, yeah. Not not every animated movie is that way. A lot of times you have a bunch of very famous people giving voices, so they try and give not the same amount of screen time, but share it a lot more. He's in this too much for me to have been able to have him blend into the background. Yeah, no, I get it. If if you disregard the Woody Allen of it all. This movie's got more problems than Woody Allen. I, I would say this, the biggest problem with this movie, and my worry is there's not going to be a lot to talk about because it's just I just found this very forgettable. The fact that he is in this movie is maybe the most memorable thing because I had seen this. I don't even know why I saw it, but I saw it back in, uh, on cable at some point. And the only thing I remembered was that Woody Allen was in it and then Sylvester Stallone See, shows up and has a part. What's funny is the only thing that I remember about it is this is right in the period of motion pictures. We've talked about it before with Armageddon and Deep Impact. Yes. This is right in the wheelhouse of it seemed like everybody was just stealing from everybody in the late 90s in Hollywood. Because what I remember is, man, Bug's Life was a much better movie when I saw it. I'm not even a huge fan of A Bug's Life. I think it's one of the worst Pixar movies. Well, first of all, we've talked about it before, and we will talk about it later. Second of all, I've never seen A Bug's Life. Right. It's one of the few Pixar movies I've never seen. I don't know why. It just looked kind of generic. No, yeah. I don't know why I saw this and not that, but no, somehow that happened. Nothing against him, but Dave Foley is your lead. It's, that's, it's not getting off on the right foot. I didn't know that. I knew Kevin Spacey was in it. Kevin Spacey <laughs> is the villain. Dave Foley is the lead. <laughs> this whole period is a minefield. It really, it really is. Oh, Actually, I didn't think about that. It really is. Yeah, it really is. Oh, um, but yeah, I don't know. All we needed was Harvey Weinstein to have a credit on this. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't think uh, Miramax ever no, did any Miramax animated did movies. It did so not. yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, All I'm right, not. so I, I am in agreement with you. There are problems beyond Woody Allen. I think in some ways, actually, he may Woody Allen's presence in the movie may help drown those out. Because those, to me, don't feel as apparent yeah. until you really go through it and break it down, aren't as apparent. He he just, even before his issues, as I said, I'm not a fan of his work, his acting, his movies. So this was never something that was really on my radar to begin with. I mean, it's the only thing that's memorable about this movie, frankly, because I remember at the time going like, why is Woody Allen in this weird kids movie? Whether or not it's a kids movie, we can discuss, but, yeah. um, you know. Um, but there, were, it, there were some there were some highlights though for me. 
Okay. I mean, I, there were none for you. There were there were scenes that I found kind of remarkable now, but in a year, if you were to say, that's, okay, tell that's me, tell me about tell me about ants. I almost call it a bug's life. That's how how confusing it is. Well, I can I can tell you what. If you ask me in a year, the only thing that I'll probably walk away and remember, what's that? Is Gene Hackman was certainly channeling Crimson Tide. That, yeah. That's the one thing I will walk away because I had not. If I had seen this, I didn't remember it. I don't think I ever had. Yeah, I didn't remember either. Like Gene Hackman, and then what? Within the first thirty seconds of his performance, I'm like, "Oh, is Denzel Washington going to make a guest appearance?" <laughs> yeah, now that you mention it, yeah, he is very much giving that performance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Gene Hackman is great. He's always great. He's great in this. But I guess I didn't note it because he's always so good that I just kind of went like, "Well, it's Gene Hackman once again doing being, what he does, being fantastic." Yeah. Boy, imagine if we were doing every Gene Hackman movie. There would be like no duds. Like that's kind of the opposite of what we're dealing with now. I know this, this, this would be the worst movie in his filmography, and and in first alone, it's like middle of the road. Um, <laughs> I, th- I, maybe I should be embarrassed that I know this movie that well. Have you seen the movie PCU? I know Jeremy I Piven? saw it. Is Gene Hackman in that? He's not in it. It's oh, with Jeremy okay. Piven. I know I saw it way back when. Yeah, Didn't like it much. I liked it. I don't know if I would like it as much now. But the only thing that I that I take away and remember is that there's a character who is working on either his dissertation or his senior project. And what his project is, is he has to watch every Gene Hackman and Michael Caine movie oh. <laughs> is what he's working on. That's so that character's right. just sitting like in front of the TV, and they're like, no, you got to leave him alone. He's watching every Gene Hackman and Michael Caine movie. I don't remember that at all, but yeah, um, yeah I, I wouldn't mind going through that exercise now. <laughs> Michael Caine's been in some, more, some duds. You have to watch yeah. Jaws 4 to do every Michael Caine movie. That I'm might... sure there's more duds than that. But... Oh, yeah, I'm sure there are. But then you get, you get to watch a Muppet Christmas Carol, which is delightful. There's a lot of my good Michael Caine as well. Yeah. The Dark Knight. Well, the, sure. The all, three, all three of those. Yeah, no for ones. sure. All right. You ready to get into this one? Sure. Let's right. get into this one. What day is it? What year? All right. As we said, October 2nd, 1998. Uh, what I found on uh, IMDb was a $105 million budget, which seemed really high. Wow. I didn't. Oh, I think I know why. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about it later. Right. Remind me. I think you'll know when to bring that up again, but bring it up again. Remind me right. of that figure. So $105 million. Uh, I mean, and some of it, I'm sure, was some learning curve. Uh, DreamWorks was a relatively new studio, and Pixar... They had to build. They had to yeah, get all had, the infrastructure up. Yeah, and they had all to the get technology. the Pixar infrastructure, effectively. So I'm sure that this, this was a... I, I won't call it a loss leader, but this was paving the way and probably eating a lot of the costs for future animation like Shrek and some of the other stuff that they did after this. I mean, I didn't look into this to double-check, but the, for all intents and purposes, this is the second CGI animated movie, right? Because A Bug's Life was Pixar's second movie. Full-length uh, Toy movie. Story, right. Yeah, and that came out after this. Yes. Uh, so I think so. I, I think th- you're right. I, I, I don't yeah. know of any other like CG animation studios no. cropping up at the time. So, no, so it, it was expensive, I'm sure, to get up yeah, and run. To, yeah. Well, for other reasons that we'll discuss later. All right. So it had total box office, uh, according to Box Office Mojo, which is back in business, oh. apparently. Cause, you know, it's funny because I checked box, box Office Mojo for something else, and I went like, oh, I was able to very easily get the box office for this particular movie. I, I wonder think, what changed. I think people shake, shook their fist hard enough Good. at Amazon, and Amazon folded. I hope uh, whatever little bit we can do to contribute. <laughs> I, I hope you know, so. Every little bit helps. Uh, so total box office of $171,757,000, roughly. 
Uh, 90 point, roughly 8 million of that was domestic and about 81 million uh, in foreign box office. Mm -hmm. On the ratings front, before we get to the uh, weekly box office, Rotten Tomatoes, this was surprising to me. Rotten Tomatoes rating is 93% on this. But the audience score is, I think, a far better representation Many, in many instances, particularly in this one, 52%, which I think is a lot closer to the mark. Well, for older movies, it's probably more accurate. For new movies, I'm always uh, dubious because there's always there's campaigns trolls. to yeah. try to lower or raise a thing. That's but probably fair. That makes sense because I could see critics being wowed by, like, computer animation. It's, it's for real. It's here to stay. You know, Probably. That, that's probably what a lot of it was. All right. So Ants did open as the number one movie in America with... 17.2 million uh, in domestic box office gross. Number two movie in America, What Dreams May Come. Yeah. I've seen it. It's Robin Williams. Heaven is involved in some way. I don't really remember anything else. Uh, that's literally exactly my remembrance <laughs> of that movie, too. I've seen it. Robin Williams. There's Heaven. It's it's very beautiful. Like, yes. I remember it being very beautiful. Landscape. Yes. Yeah. But otherwise, I don't remember anything about what it's about. All right. The number three movie in America. So What Dreams May Come was also opening that week. It opened number two at $15.8 million. Okay. The prior weeks, number one, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Rush Hour is the third movie in America. Uh, just under $14.5 million. That's surprising. I would have thought it would have had longer legs, legs and stayed number one for a while. Uh, it's total gross. Uh, you know what? It was number one, but it was actually in its third week, so it must have had two two weeks in okay. at number one. So that's not that's not bad. That's yeah. hard. That's my memory was that was a huge hit. Yeah. I, I, it was. Yeah, okay. I'm not sure how well it holds up. I have not seen it. I didn't really love it the first time. I, I didn't it. love it either. I thought it was fine, but I haven't seen it since. If you're going to watch a Jackie Chan movie... That's not the one. Don't watch an American Jackie Chan movie. That's watch fair. a Hong Kong Jackie Chan movie. Well, the number four movie in America is also opening in its first week, A Night at the Roxbury, is in theaters oh. for the first time with $9.6 That seems too high. <laughs> I've never seen it. I shouldn't judge a movie I've never seen, but I don't need to see it. Uh, I should have put Stallone. He could have recreated his scene from his yes. SNL hosting. That was only a year prior. Yes. He hosted in 1997. Number five is Robert De Niro's vehicle, Ronin. I remember it has a really good chase sequence, but that's all I remember about that. I was going to rewatch it recently because I, I saw it in college and then, you know, haven't seen it since. And like a year ago, I was like, I need to watch Ronin again. And then for whatever reason, I got like five minutes in and went like, eh. It wasn't, it wasn't that the movie was bad or I was bored or anything. I just got distracted by something and never went back to it. I need to watch it again. But yeah, that's my memory also. All right. Number six, Urban Legend. I remember that this movie exists, but I don't. And I know it's kind of a horror movie, but I don't remember oh. who or what. Yeah, this is like a I Know What You Did Last Summer, kind, kind of, of like I a PG-13 horror movie. It's not Final Destination. Yeah. This was like this deep the, into that run. Yes, of, it's in the Final Destination era. It's probably Final Destination 3, maybe, at this point. Definitely 2 by, by 98. Yeah, that was a dark time for horror movies. All right, number... I kind of like the first Final Destination. It wasn't great, but it was serviceable. The, the premise is, is fun, yeah. but just, I, I have a hard time with all of... Kind of like how you are with 90s disaster movies. I get it. I'm like that with late 90s horror movies where it's just like... They're just very tame and just very like... Just a bunch of teenagers going like, oh no! Just... <laughs> I guess all horror movies are that. Friday the 13th is also like that. I just bought the the set of Friday the 13th movies, and I'm, I'm watching through them. Are you going to start with the one in space? Uh, no, that's, that's not in the collection for, for rights reasons. That's garbage. That's you don't also even get the, everything. That's the 10th. No, it's, it's one through eight, because starting with nine, the rights move to a different studio. Jason X is the one in space. That's the 10th one. So okay. I do not have that one on Blu-ray, although I should get it. 
All right, with just under 3.4 million, the number seven movie in America, and it's 12th week. Pretty impressive. There's something about Mary. Wow. I, th- I still think that holds up, too. I, I, I mean, there's things probably aren't as funny as I thought in 1998, but I've seen it within the last five years, and I still think there's, there's some good funny stuff in that. Yeah. Uh, number I think eight. the Brett Favre stuff probably doesn't hold up as well. Probably not as well. But <laughs> Who, who's that? Like, people don't know anymore. Uh, number eight, I do not know this movie at all. One true thing. Don't know what it is. Me neither. Number nine, I do know. Uh, in its 11th week, Saving Private Ryan at $1.6 million. Uh, its total gross at that point looks like uh, $184 million. We'll talk about it later. All right. And number 10, Simon Birch. I don't know that movie either. Just over, just under $1.5 million. All right, in the TV front in 1998, 99 TV season, ER. Oh, okay, ER. I was about to say I will will gird myself for the parade of uh, of reality television. No, 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 no. no. Actually, reality TV has not taken over yet. Okay. Uh, I I, I thought it was going to be Survivor. Survivor is early 2000, 2001. Is it that late? Yeah. I know it was either 2000 or 2001. I was either an intern at the bank I went to work for, or it was my first year because everybody was talking about it. I'm like, this is trash. I want nothing to do with Rudy, the ex-Navy SEAL, or any of this stuff. <laughs> okay, you know more about Survivor. I never watched it. The, the, but it was, the I, I'm remembering now I when... Because it was such a cultural phenomenon. I couldn't avoid it. I wanted to, and I couldn't get away from yeah, it. Yeah, now that you mentioned I remember where I was living, then it was not the dorms, which yeah. 1998 would have been where I was living. Then. No, this, this is the era of must-see TV. You ready? Number two, Friends. Number three, Frasier. Okay. Number four, Monday Night Football. Number five, a tie, another NBC, Veronica's Closet, and Jesse. Neither one of those. I know Veronica's Closet. That was Kirstie Alley, but yeah, it and it was it was the lead in because I think it was behind Friends. And as soon as it lost that, that show was like canceled. Yeah, I looked up. Was it last episode? Some some TV show you brought up, and we were like, we never heard of this. Why is this number four in the ratings? And I looked it up, and it was like after Cheers or something. So yeah, it's this this especially with NBC, NBC Thursdays. You just put just anything a there. Lock. Yeah, right. absolutely. Number seven, 60, oh, CBS then got, got, got its foothold here in the top ten with number seven, 60 Minutes, number eight, Touched by an Angel, number nine, the CBS Sunday Movie, and apparently Home Improvement was still hanging around in the top ten because it rounds out the top ten. Oh, so, sure. I'm surprised it's not uh, higher, even this late. It's funny. that that's the Other than Monday Night Football, there is nothing in the top ten for ABC other than Home Improvement barely Man. clawing its way into the top Cause ten. Because Galaxy Quest was 99, and that was... Right after he let the, the show ended? So. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that would be near the end. I guess that makes sense. Once those kids grow up too much and become awkward and weird. <laughs> Time to pull the plug. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The S&P 500 is at 1,032.47 in uh, October of 98. I went back and grabbed a little bit from September. Uh, September 8th, St. Louis Cardinals first baseman Mark McGuire breaks baseball's single-season home run record. Formerly held since 1961 by Roger Maris. Oh, man. McGuire hits number 62. I, uh, somehow I like, had put all of this out of my mind, and now you're bringing it up. That's why I got to bring it up. Mm. You got to know what was going on, right? No, that was definitely a big story in the U.S. anyway. Yeah, so he hit number 62. We six- didn't know he was cheating yet. No, and it wouldn't be for a while. I, and he's, I, I, I suspect He's not here to talk about the past. That's actually my, my favorite is his testimony in front of Congress. <laughs> Did he say that? Yes. He outright, I'm not here to talk about the past. Then what are you at this hearing for, Mark? You're here by, by subpoena to answer the questions that they're asking you. Uh, so he hit number 62 at Bush Stadium in the fourth inning off Chicago Cubs pitcher Steve Trexel. Uh, was that the air he eventually hit 70? Is that what happened? Yeah, so that, that was the and one that so broke the record. 66, yeah. Right, yeah. Right. Uh, so he might have hit 68. He, he was, was it, maybe you're right, maybe it was 66. 
Yeah, I, it's, it doesn't matter anymore. No. I, are they still in the record books? They shouldn't be. Uh, they are, but Barry Bonds Barry also Bonds, broke yes. it. Yes. <laughs> None of those should be in the record books. None of them should. It's a disgrace. All right, September 25th to the 28th. Uh, this is more for me. Major creditors of long-term capital management, a Greenwich, Connecticut-based hedge fund, after days of tough bargaining and some informal mediation by the Federal Reserve, agree on terms of a recapitalization. Uh, it was actually a financial crisis. Uh, what's interesting about that one in 1998 is the bailout did not come from a government entity. It actually came from a consortium of really large banks that got together and ultimately bailed out this hedge fund. You fast forward not too far distant in Distant into the future, that same group of banks and some others were going to the, the world governments to bail them out. Uh, that one really is for you because I'd never heard of, of this story and have no understanding of its significance. All I right. mean, I, I have a sense of it based on your description, but... All right. Uh, I, no, I'm just... <laughs> no, I'm, <laughs> I mean, whatever. I'm glad that uh, it's interesting to you. <laughs> October 7th, United States Congress passes the Sonny Bono Copyright Term Extension Act, which gives copyright holders 20 more years of copyright privilege on work they control. This effectively freezes the public domain to works created before 1923 in the United States. You know what's funny is I have said in the past, I think we've both said, but I, I, I know I've said this, of just like news pre-9-11 feels like it's not all that like consequential. It feels like nothing is really happening. Everything you're listing is kind of pissing me off, <laughs> whether whether it's Mark McGuire or the copyright Sonny Bono extension. I'm glad this I is all stuff that really time. annoys me. All right, so I don't know about your hedge fund bailout. I'm sure I'd be annoyed if I understood it. <laughs> Uh, so do you, do you know a lot about this extension? Because I've, I've actually oh yeah, because it's, it's Disney basically bullied their way into so, yeah, derisively referred to as the Mickey Mouse Protection Act. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, you, Mickey Mouse, it's it's going to be coming up here sooner. It's a few years, and it's it's going to burn off. No, they'll they'll get it extended again. I guarantee they will not let Mickey Mouse fall into public domain. They will spend as much money as they need to get another. I don't know who the new Sonny Bono is, but they'll find another Sonny Bono to get their uh, their their extension passed. Twenty twenty four is the year that Mickey Mouse is supposed to make it into the public domain. I signed away my likeness to Disney relatively recently, so it's oh, possible my. that uh, <laughs> they will they will have the rights to my likeness in perpetuity. I have got to watch that episode. By the way, are they in order? Is there a way for me to tell? It's the most. It's the, it'll end up being do the second to the last. They, they post my, them. Like weekly? Is that how it works? Yeah, they post them weekly. My, to, to explain, my cousin got married on Disney weddings on Disney+. Plus. People don't know what I look like, so it would be pointless to be like, yeah. oh, I'm in the background there, but I'm in the background at my cousin's I know what wedding. you look like. Yeah, you know what I look like. All right. Excuse me. October 14th, Eric Robert Rudolph is charged with six bombings, including the 1996 bombing in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, I don't, know, I don't know anything about that. I don't sure. remember this. Yeah, you do. Richard Jewell. Oh, Richard Jewell. Okay. Well, I mean, that's... I didn't connect the dots that you were talking about the Olympics. Oh, bombing. yeah. Okay. So that, that's who actually did it. Okay, it okay, Richard okay. Jewell. Yes. I, don't, I don't think I knew his name. Okay, well, it's Eric I know Robert. Richard Jewell's name. I don't know that guy's name. It's amazing that's, what the media can uh, yeah, do, yeah, isn't it? It is. Uh, October 29th, uh, Space Shuttle Discovery blasts off with 77-year-old John Glenn on board, making him the oldest person to go into space. He became the first American to orbit the Earth on February 20th, 1962. All right, and then finishing out history, the New York Times fictional bestseller, 
You've told me he may or may not have actually go, uh, written this and just signed off his name. Rainbow Six by Tom Clancy is the number one book, or the New York Times bestseller. I believe he was still writing his own books at that time. In 1998. I think, like, yeah, Rainbow Six was one of the last ones. Okay. There might have been one more after that, and then he, yeah, he signed away his name to other writers. And then the Billboard 100 is a song I have no clue. The First Night by Monica. No clue. Okay, yeah, I don't know either. I mean, I know who Monica is, but I'm not familiar I with her music. I do. I think she... Oh, no, I was about to say, I think she dated Kobe Bryant, but no, that was Brandy. Brandy, yes. Okay. She's, Monica was similar to Brandy. Uh, I think Brandy actually got married to Quentin Richardson. I didn't know that. No. Wow, she definitely got a type. Uh, <laughs> the NBA, yeah. NBA guard? Yeah. Well, there's worse types to have in the world, sure, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure she did very well for herself. Uh, yes. All right. You ready for the big picture? Sure. You want to talk? We'll talk. I'm a sucker for good conversation. The big picture of the segment of the show where we discuss the plot of the movie. You're really I, into doing this movie. I just sure. <laughs> am I? I? I mean, it was. It was just. I think it's more resignation than anything. Um, we can call this the little picture in this movie. Uh, <laughs> very much so. But yeah, I, I just there's just not a ton to talk about in this movie. We'll see. But you want me to fire away with my recap? Sure. Do you have a two sentence recap? I think I, I went with three, even though this is only like an hour and a half movie. Oh, All not right. even. Is it less than an hour and a half? I think oh, it was like, the credits probably actually are a lot. One, I think yeah, credits start like one twenty four or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. All right. All right. Z, the worker ant, doesn't like his job, but he does like at least a part of the ant elite in Princess Bala. Conformity gets thrown out the window in Z's adventure to get out of doing his job. <laughs> and luckily, a military coup that would result in genocide of the worker ants is thwarted in the process. Accurate. <laughs> uh, un, un, unrelated, seemingly, to Z's desire. He doesn't want to do his job. Meanwhile, there's a, uh, yes. is the general's planning to, to kill most of the colony. And just almost by happenstance, he comes back to the colony and goes, Oh, this is bad. I guess I need to do something. <laughs> I guess here. I should do something in the last five minutes of this movie. <laughs> in theory, here's the thing that annoys me about them. I and we can talk through the plot, but here's the thing that annoys me about. I mean, I don't know if it's because it's an animated movie that I always expect there to be some kind of like message for the kids. There's, you know, m- most Pixar movies have some kind of a message. You know, yeah, you'd like there to be a moral in a movie. Yeah, right? and uh, I don't understand what this movie is saying. <laughs> There's no moral because at the end, it's 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 essentially about individualism versus collectivism, and he's basically saying, ah, oh, this is you know oppressive, and why should I do what I'm told? I want to do what I want to do, and then the whole movie is about him. You know, striking out on his own and doing his own thing, and but then the, the problem at the end is solved by all the ants banding together and doing, the, <laughs> yes. you know, working together. It is interesting doing this because uh, you know you and I are technically, uh, you know, we're breaking quarantine by being in the same room together, so we're we're fighting our own individualism against the. But at the end of the day, much like in this movie, the, the problem is solved by everyone <laughs> doing what they're told and and then uh, listening to uh, doctors and things. So I just, it's in particular, it's interesting watching this movie now. Where that whole question of like, should you do what you want to do or should you do what's best for the the colony? And at the end of the day, I don't know. It, both, it seems like this movie is saying. I don't it seems know. Seems like it wanted both. It, yeah, it wants it both ways. It doesn't doesn't know what it wants to say. How does this even start? Oh, it starts with him like at the uh, therapist. Or yes, something. which you said that it's not a Woody Allen movie. Is there anything less or? Well, this I mean, it's the opening scene and like the closing scene. That's the that's the stuff that's leaning into the Woody Allen. I really rolled my eyes at the yeah. I, I like agree. the ending. I I'm like oh oh Central Park. Uh, great <laughs> right. 
because it's a Woody Allen movie. It's got to be set in Manhattan. That's that's what it is. <laughs> but is it a Woody Allen movie? That's the thing. I, I don't know. But I mean, it's that's the joke of it. I know. It's just like it was like every other Woody Allen movie. It's in See? Manhattan. Look, but he's an ant, <laughs> right? But he's an ant. <laughs> that's that's basically the tagline. Woody <laughs> Allen, but he's an ant. Yeah, so it, he's basically complaining about his job. That's how it opens up, and right. then we get uh, because it, he feels like he's he's meant for something greater or something. What does he I, even say? I'm not sure what. I think it's that he just doesn't like working. Is what it is. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, because well, he's bad whole, at it. Because yeah. there's like a wrecking ball, and they're all they're trying to knock through, knock something over, and he screws up and literally drops the ball. But the, the thing ball. is, is that I'm not sure what job he wants because there's basically two jobs in the colony, <laughs> right? And he, well, three. He get, there's the ruling class. Okay, but he's not getting he's not getting into the ruling class. Well, he does at the end. He, <laughs> all right, <laughs> but the idea he doesn't right. like. He doesn't like the worker class. He has an opportunity to be a soldier, and he's not good at that. So he's, I, I, I hate to tell him, he's not good at anything. Right. He has no place in the society. No. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's absolutely true. Like, what, is, what are, I mean, his option is to just leave, which is basically what happens. But if that, that had probably been, would have been the, the best answer is if he just would have hung out by the garbage can. Yeah, or if this movie had been an adventure story where the first five minutes is him just being like, there's no place for me here. I'm just going to leave and do my own thing. And the rest of the movie is just the adventures he gets in. Great. That's, that works. But the fact that he has to go back and save the colony from this evil Gene Hackman general, it, essentially it's like, I don't want to be do it. I, I don't want to do what I'm told, but I'm happily to tell, I'm happy to tell other people what to do if I'm in charge. It's like, you know, everybody should should do, do what, what they're I told say. but me yeah. yeah do what i say not what i do exactly so they're they're drinking at a at an ant bar and there's like a dance scene where they're they're, they're they all dance the same dance moves yes because because it's conformist see that's yeah. the, that's the thing is he's I not a conformist it. he's an individual and the princess ants played by sharon stone comes in voiced by sharon stone yes whatever. <laughs> yeah and she's not literally just the whole movie is ants and then sharon stone just on a green screen walks in it's me sharon stone no, but you know when I say it's played by her, yes, yeah, voiced by her. Obviously, I don't think they did any motion capture. It's voiced by her, and what she says very often in the movie, and is probably what I just was so annoyed by. Not just her, Z, because Woody Allen's character's name is Z, and Z, the yes. way people, I just, I didn't want to hear Z said anymore. Do you think his name is Z just because the movie is called Ant Z with a Z? No, so I think they named him Z because he was supposed to be of the worker ants. He's so far down the oh, list. He's I didn't, so terrible. I didn't connect that. Is what I think. And so then they made it Ant Z because he's the focal point of the story. Okay. Because does Jennifer Lopez have a, a letter name? What's her name? Uh, I don't remember any names remember. other than Z. She doesn't have, no, she doesn't have a letter name. She has. Yeah, nobody has a letter. I mean, maybe his name is like Z E E Z. No, I looked it up. He's like Z four one nine two or something on Internet Movie Database. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is the, the the world building of this movie. There's is, there's is, not much to this world. It's so inconsistent. Like, how does this world work? They have bars, but then like, who is going out? You're right. There are three jobs. There's workers who are build, digging this tunnel that Gene Hackman wants built. There are soldiers who fight, you know, the, the neighboring termites, which we'll get to in a second. And there's, you know, the queen and the princess and the generals. I guess the generals you could consider like part of. Oh, the, that's the, part of the army. Yeah, they're yeah. the army ants. So, but then there's there's like a bartender. So is he a worker ant? Are there different types of worker ants? Is, is, is it, I don't have this in my questions. That's an excellent question. Okay, it wasn't it wasn't in my questions. I was just kind of like, as we're t- talking through the how plot, he, it's how like, did the, how did the bartender get that job? Well, just what is is that a worker like? 
there's there's no world building to explain. They, they're they're drinking. Well, they're getting drunk off of these aphids, which I guess is a real thing that ants do. But who's going out and getting the aphids? Who's getting food? Like the, all the workers just build tunnels and dig tunnels. No, it doesn't seem very got, well thought workers, out. I mean, and I guess I, we shouldn't hold this kids movie to such a high standard. The workers but. probably do need to go out and get food. They just don't show that. The bartender doesn't make sense to me. I'm not sure how the bartender gets that job. And it seems to be the only recreation. And There's not any world where you can go buy anything. So there's no other job other than the bartender. Right. That's outside of digging tunnels. Or fighting termites. Well, you do whatever you're told to do, so I guess he's just, like, assigned the bartender How did he get that role. gig? That, I, I'd like to know how he got that gig. I don't know. Maybe uh, he swapped places with somebody just like uh, Z swapped places with Stallone. Because Z is friends with Stallone's character or he's whatever. He's a soldier ant. Yeah, he's a soldier ant, of course. Because he's played by Sylvester Stallone, so of course he is. I liked his character. I will say, I think he... Him and Gene Hackman are... are oh, they were the best part. ...are the highlights. Uh, and, and Sharon Stone, I liked I, I wasn't as much of a fan of Sharon Stone. Danny Glover. We oh, hardly, sure, okay. We yeah. hardly knew ye. Oh, boy, you're right, yes. Danny Glover was, he he yeah. was outstanding. The little bit he, he got to do in this movie. Yeah, he was. Well, we're, we're basically there, because yeah. Z falls in love with the princess who who is slumming at this bar. Yeah. And he, she he, wants he, nothing to do with him after this. Well, she's impressed by his dancing, but then, yes, once... The brawl breaks out. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah this, this, this society seems on the verge of collapse anyway. This colony... <laughs> Is that a thing? I think for bees it's a thing, bees, right? The colony collapse is because yeah. it was a uh, joke, running joke in Arrested Development, the Netflix. That's right. Yes, the colony yes. collapse. But yeah, but I don't know if that happens with ants. ants but if, if it is a thing that can't happen, it feels like this colony is it on the verge. Right on the, yes. Yeah, all the, the worker ants are just Hackman fighting. Didn't really have to do anything. He That's probably could have just stood back and just let this colony tear itself apart. Right, because Hackman's secret plan is to kill all the workers. By digging a tunnel underneath a puddle and flooding the the workers, trapping the workers inside a chamber. Yes, we learn that later. It's very. He basically has a eugenics plan. Is really what he. Has. Yeah, basically, because they're the, they're the weak element. He thinks. Yeah. And so, yeah, step one is to send all the soldiers to who are loyal to the queen to die in a pointless battle against uh, termites. I mean, I guess that was trying to explain away why the queen why the queen would be susceptible. And that they could take Princess Bala is because the soldiers that were loyal to the Queen weren't there to stop it. It's, it's I'm not even flimsy. sure. I'm not even sure they thought through it that much. It's not like this is like Game of Thrones, but ants. It's <laughs> it's like uh, you know, it's just so that they could throw uh, Z in this like combat situation. I love the idea of Game of Thrones with ants. They could have done that because I think there are certain because the princess Sharon Stone as the princess is engaged to be married to. To be married, whatever that means for ants, but you know, to, to Gene Hackman, the, the general. Yes. But they portray it like, oh, the, the queen, uh, and Bancroft plays the queen. They didn't need someone that, you know, famous to play. Stature. Yeah, it's, it's a nothing part. But she's like, no, he really cares for you. They should have, they should have depicted it as this is a, this is an important alliance yes. with the military. We need you to marry This the needs gen- to be done. Yeah, this needs to be done to make sure that we're all, you know, I, there's no coup. Right. Now I'm giving him an a, a, a excuse not to, to, <laughs> To kill me and yeah, overthrow me. Exactly, because he'll be, you know, once you become queen, he'll be, the, you know, your your husband. Yep. Uh, which I I guess makes him the king, but I don't think that's a thing in, in ant colonies. No, it's not. They're, it, sometimes they're sticking with, like, real biology, and sometimes they're just doing whatever. But anyway, Z swaps places with Stallone to impress the princess. And Stallone is very excited about the, the switch yeah, himself. He loves being a digging worker. He, he thinks it's awesome. You know, that whole scene where he's just like, this is great. And he's got two pickaxes. He's like, <laughs> and then people are like, you know, slow down. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like that scene in Big with uh, John Lovitz. Pace yourself, pace yourself. I really did like that though. I thought that, I, I genuinely thought that was funny. It's an, like, Stallone's having fun. He's like, oh, wow. he's just in a, a booth somewhere making noises. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll, I'm with you, Stallone. I'm, I'm enjoying this performance. I was too. Um, but yeah, so 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 they go off to fight the termites. It does not go well for either side. No, <laughs> I mean basically nobody's left but Z. <laughs> yeah, and Danny Glover, who we meet in one scene and then is dead the next scene. And the tactics, speaking of Game of Thrones, are like worse than Jon Snow's tactics in the final season against the White Walkers. Yeah. Like, yeah, just go right at them. No strategy whatsoever. Well, that may have been intentional. I don't know if that's the idea. Gene Hackman just, like, he created a battle plan that was designed to get them slaughtered. Gene Hackman, yes, but the fact that they went, they just went in and like, where, where are the termites? <laughs> right. They just charge into what we learn later is a hollowed out tree. You can't really tell... But, uh, yeah, there's, like, charge, and they all come in from four directions, and, like, let themselves be immediately surrounded. Surrounded, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they hold nobody back. Oh. Um, you know, I, it's, but whatever. It's just Even, to, to just, make sure everybody was slaughtered. Yeah, well, everybody was, including, sadly, yeah. Danny Glover. Danny Glover, was he was chewing up the scenery when he was in it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's literally decapitated. Like, this is horrifying stuff. <laughs> I gotta think some kids... talking while decapitated. Right, yeah. How does it look, kid? It's just, he's, <laughs> Woody Allen's just holding Danny Glover's ant head. How does it look? Is it bad? <laughs> that could have been played for black comedy, but because this is more more or less a kids' movie, they couldn't really fully go there. It oh. was it was they were approaching that, but but they didn't do it. Yeah, it was not because uh, they did that. Uh, um, what movie was it? Oh, a Tropic Thunder. They basically did that joke, didn't they? Yes. Where yeah, how is, is it bad? And just yeah, it's like nothing left. Um, Z is traumatized or whatever. He falls in a hole. He's the only survivor because of cowardice. Yes. But he, he comes back. Away. He's the conquering hero when he comes back. Yes. And while he was gone... Or no, this happens later. Never mind. Because, yeah, he, he's he's celebrated simply for being a war hero at this point. Yes. Later he becomes celebrated for being like a labor... Uh, an inspirational labor figure. Apparently Z! this is... That's Z! Apparently this is the sequel to Fist we weren't expecting. <laughs> You hear about Z, he just, just he told him to stick it and he stopped working. It's like, we well, should stop working. Like, there's a whole sequence of that. But that comes a little bit later. Because, yeah, at first he just, Gene Hackman's like, look, he's a war hero and everyone loves him. And he's soaking up the praise. And then what happens? Oh, the princess outs him for being a worker. And like, what? This is shocking. Yeah. And then the princess and he get booted out. I don't remember why. He takes her hostage. That's what it is. And he falls down the they trash. fall down the trash, yes. And then the guards come out to retrieve them, and suddenly someone with a magnifying glass, Deus, no, I, Deus Ex Magnifying Glass, yes. comes up, comes in to conveniently make sure that the princess can't get back into the, the colony. And that the guards chasing after the kidnapper and kidnappee are completely obliterated. Yes. Almost equally horrifying. There's a lot of like horrifying ants being killed in this movie. <laughs> Decapitated and burned alive by magnifying glasses. It's it's it's, it's a lot of rough stuff. In so movie. then the princess and Woody, or excuse me, <laughs> Z. <laughs> if it their, had been Tom Hanks, I would have enjoyed this movie a lot more. Uh, <laughs> make their way on the adventure to uh what is it? insectopia is that what they're called yeah insectopia because there's uh, disney there's... might be you know have stolen insectopia and just change it to zootopia for their movie a few oh years yeah ago. yeah 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 so they're they're gonna make their way there and uh, uh allegedly everything's gonna be great princess bala doesn't want to go but z just 
you know, continues to tell her, oh, yeah, I'll take you back, but just just go with me to Insectopia. I don't think he says that. I think it's he immediately loses interest in her, doesn't he? Because he sees this, they hear t- tales of Insectopia. There's a guy in the bar saying, I saw a monolith, and he follow it, and he'll go to paradise. Insectopia. John Mahoney, yes. That's right, it is John Mahoney. Uh, who was the dad in Frasier, so yes. he was busy this year. He in a top TV he, show. And- he, you're right. He's not necessarily super interested, but she's demanding that he, because he kidnapped her, bring her back. And he's like, no, I'm going here. So right. you think, like, I don't care about you. She just follows him because she's, she's going to go back herself. A praying mantis menaces yeah, her. That's right. And then she's like, oh, no, wait for me. And that's the only... The, the movie didn't bother to give her motivation to follow along. No, other just than, a praying mantis. I'm just afraid to go back alone. I guess. They, they ran like two feet. I know that's a long distance for an ant, but, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine she... I mean, whatever. It's, it's a very flimsy... It would have been better if they would have just found an actual reason for her to want to go to Insectopia. Oh, you know, maybe there's something there that, she's, oh, she's, it'll help them defeat Gene Hackman. Something. But she doesn't even know about that. No, nobody does. No. That's the thing. So that, that's happening independently of Z just deciding, I'm leaving. Like he, At this point, he's never he's not planning to ever go back, right? He's just like, no, I'm he, going to Setopia. You yes. can come with me if you want. I don't no, care. because in the end, so they wind up making it there. First, along the way, they run into Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin. Yes, as, Dan- as the wasps, as just the most uh, ridiculous pun of a... It like, was on the nose. Their characters are just purely based on a pun. They're wasps. <laughs> Muffy, look at these ants, Muffy. That's I, all it is. This is a joke on that. I kind of like the joke. I'm embarrassed to admit that. I, I mean, like it's it. not a bad joke, but... They I just did, based these characters off of they that did, joke. But the fact, the the thing that I wish I would have, I wish they would have went all in on it because he's basically playing Lewis Winthorpe. Yes, I wish they would have not main, named him Chip. They should have just went for it and named him Winthorpe. Sure, yeah, and that's the that's my disappointment because I can't imagine there's any you know copyright you know that there's any issue using that name. They should have went for it and named him Winthorpe. And they could have cast the girl who played his like right. ten, tennis uh, playing right. He, he oh, should, was her name Muffy in the character's name was Muffy? Oh, yes. and her name was Muffy in this too, also, right? I was it. I, I want to say it was. Well, if it was, the, if it was, then it's definite that they were. He was going for Winthorpe, and for whatever reason, they just didn't want to name him Winthorpe. Oh yeah, he's doing the same voice. <laughs> it's exactly the same. I mean, p- before he falls on hard times, before the the places are changed. <laughs> See, I kind of like. I kind of like when he falls on hard times. Oh no, that's a good movie. I, that that movie holds up for the most part. Oh, I until th- they get to the train. <laughs> And suddenly, there's there's gorillas. Uh, yes, there's 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 a man in a gorilla suit, and then they pre- just, then they present the real gorilla, which is only a slightly better gorilla suit. It's barely better than the fake gorilla suit. That's kind of it's kind of charming to me, but whatever. <laughs> that sequence sucks. I, that sequence almost ruins the movie for me. I kind of skip. I, I I think the last time I watched it, I just hit skip and I got right I to the underst- trading trading floor scene. I can I can understand why you would skip that, but there's too much other gold in that movie to, for that to ruin. Oh, that's the one bad scene, yeah. but it's so bad. Okay, and they're all dressed up in those well, like has, crazy yeah, like foreign caricatures. But it has a future U.S. senator involved as well. Yes, that's true. As the gorilla handler. All right. Well, back to this. So they they finally do make it to Insectopia because they they have a an unfortunate run in at a picnic site does, that does not go well first, and that's where they flee to then actually make it to Insectopia, which is just a yeah. pile of garbage. Yeah, basically. Like I feel like something happens in between. Like there's sort of adventuring going on. He gets trapped in a water bubble, and they cross the the well. That was the before to get to yeah. To get there's to stuff it. happening, but not but much. It's not really plot for the oh, most part. Oh, they get part. stuck in the bottom of someone's shoe. That's on the picnic, right? In yeah. The gum. 
and the then, shoe carries them to Insectopia. Yes. Because whoever's wearing the shoe... <laughs> clears it off with a penny and yeah. flicks the penny... Into the trash. Or, into the trash. That, a penny wasn't worth much even in 1998 that you used it to scrape gum and throw it in the trash. I mean, to, to clean gum and two ants off of? I don't want to touch that. Like, yeah, the, the, the effort you're going to, to clean it is not worth the penny. So we get to Insectopia, which is just a bunch of garbage, and they have, you know, a montage sequence of... It's like an amusement park. Yeah, that they're making snow angels and powder don't whatever. None, none of it was really funny, and it was for kids. Fine. Yeah, whatever. I mean, it's just like, it's it's relatively cute. There's like a roller coaster, quote unquote. It's like a worm going through an apple. It's like, you know, everything is a gag of like... What would the equivalent be? There's like a Coke bottle that's an amusement park mirror, and they're, they're yeah. oh, they're looking, you know, because the Coke bottle, like, you know, curved and whatever. This is the one sequence. Oh, we, uh, well, uh, sorry. I'll, I was about to bring something up, but I'll bring it. I'll talk about it. This is the one sequence that gets the closest to what actually annoys me about Pixar movies, particularly today. Mm-hmm. And I give this movie credit for not doing it. Uh, this is the closest to it. What I can't stand about Pixar movies today, and to be honest, most of its existence, most of the writing, it's not a kid's movie. They try to put too many pop culture references and adult references in those movies to appeal to a wide audience. Yeah. And like to me, I, I like that there can be movies that just exist that have really kind of lowbrow and like sophomoric or childish humor, that's what I think certain kids' movies should be. And this is closer to that than most Pixar movies. And that I do appreciate. This sequence is probably the closest of trying to have some, not adult jokes, but I think you know what I mean. I think it's interesting because I would say that Pixar is better about that stuff than like other students. Because I, I think about Shrek. Shrek, Shrek is Shrek the worst. Is nothing but that stuff. Shrek is the worst of it, which yeah. is coming from this studio. Right. So that's another thing that kind of amazes me of their first movie. Wasn't, but no. So those, those Pixar movies, uh, over the years, they have become, uh, we'll call it Shreked. Okay, it's maybe. I haven't more, seen the last couple. I, I, I think Coco was the last one I saw. Well, and then I uh, just the Incredibles. Most of them, it's like most of the humor and the jokes. I'm like, they, these are references. These kids, don't. They, there's no way kids, young kids, get these jokes. These jokes are written for the parents. You know, Wreck-It Ralph is just full oh, and sure. pretty much just stuff for the parents. That's yeah, it's pretty bad. I've not seen it, but yeah, it's, it I, seems like that's all that movie is, is just video game references. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to disparage it. I actually enjoy the movies, but I'm like, I would have liked more movies to actually take my kids to, and there weren't that many movies for me to take my kids to. Yeah, I think a lot of that is driven by people our age really desperately wanting t- their kids to like the same things that they do. And Could so the, the writers of these movies are even doing it like, Donkey Kong's cool, right? Check it out and wreck it, Ralph. You know? It's like, I feel like a generation ago, it was sports more more so. Our, you know, our parents' Pushing, generation was yeah. just like, I mean, whatever. Mark McGuire, he's a home runner. Sure, yeah. I, that seems like the thing that was pushed upon people our age by, you know, generations above us. I so can see I, that. I, I think now it's all pop culture. It's like, Star Wars is cool, huh, kids? It's like, you know... I, I don't know if uh, I shouldn't pick on Star Wars. There's a million things, you know, but I I, th- I think that's what's driving a lot of that Wreck-It Ralph, Shrek stuff of just, like, trying to sell kids our generation's garbage. I shouldn't I know. I, I'm, not, I'm being overly disparaging, but you know I, I, mean. I hear you. Well, so we finally then get to, even though his character has been in the movie, but barely, that we haven't talked about him, Christopher Walken makes yes. his appearance to bring Princess Bala back to uh, the colony. Yeah, well, uh, Z's off taking a leak or something. Oh, no, he's getting no, firewood. He's yeah. getting a match. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
Um, oh, and, and he's me- taking a leak. I couldn't remember why he left. I knew he stepped away, and I couldn't remember why. <laughs> I, I was I knew it wasn't that obviously. I'm just that's how it felt. Just like he stepped away for a moment, and suddenly Christopher Walken shows up and takes the princess back. Yeah, and there's there's been a lot of stuff going on back at the colony where. Uh, you know, Z has become this folk hero. This is the part where now he's this labor. Z! He's this labor I'll hero. Say Z! You just must not remember it. It not just, really. It, uh, it I don't, me. I don't, I don't doubt it. But that was his name. So when people are going, Z! I, I didn't, know, really, didn't was, really register as strange. It was dumb. That's why his name was dumb. They should have named yes. the character it's, something yeah, I don't know why the main character of this movie is called Z. But so anyway, he, he so become... Stallone gets kind of <laughs> captured and, and beaten by Gene Hackman and, <laughs> and uh, Chris Walker. He's some, basically being tortured. Yeah, it's some He's serious stuff. He's one step away from waterboarding yeah. him. Yeah. And he gives up uh, where Z was going. Insectopia. It's like, we're supposed to like these characters. Z won't work. <laughs> Stallone gives up his buddies. <laughs> You're right. Probably the only character that is remains likable is Jennifer Lopez. She, yeah. She's consistent and likable throughout the whole way. But you're right. Everybody sure. else has some serious flaws. Sure. I mean, you could argue that, uh, you know, suddenly Stallone is showing up to take Z's place and she's like, oh, you're pretty cool. You know, like she's super interested into him. <laughs> I guess. And so that, that's kind of, it sucks for Z that all this time he's working next to her for, but you know, it's like. You're right, but is he, there. He's Woody Allen and he's the right. Sylvester Stallone. There's no comparison yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You even get at some point, I think you get Stallone like, <laughs> his aunt, like flexing. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, it's good, it's a good workout or whatever. It's, yeah, he definitely starts flexing. He also has like a Superman moment in the bar earlier where the bar fight happens. Someone throws a punch at Z and suddenly Stallone's character is there and he's just standing there like Superman. Yes. And he takes the punch and does not yeah, move. Yeah, doesn't budge at all. That's why I'm saying it feels like a Superman moment because it literally doesn't move at all. Yes. Just, like it's like a bullet bouncing off of him. Well, Z then determines, I'm not sure why, but that he needs to go back for the princess. Well, now they're in love because they spent the day at the amusement park riding worms. It's amazing how that works. Yes. And he, but he's going to get a lift. Oh, yes. Because, From Winthorpe. Yeah, Winthorpe, who has been in the sauce. <laughs> he's fallen on hard times, so yeah. he's hammered. Oh, it's All a tragedy. He, is- he lost his, because uh, his, his, his wasp wife died. Uh, now I'm envisioning when, when Winthorpe actually hits rock bottom, and he's in the Santa suit, and he's, like, sticking the giant <laughs> sure, fish. Sure, yeah, yeah. That's kind of actually where the wasp in this yeah, is. Yeah, he should have been wearing a little he's Santa just- suit hammered on Jack Daniels. Yeah, it's a very similar trajectory, you're right. And then he has to pull himself back together and help his friends. He does. Yeah, it's trading places all over again. Well, we found a highlight in this movie. Yeah, for sure. He didn't seem that broken up when... Uh, uh, oh, no, he was, bro- he was broken up. Maybe it was just the performance. It almost it, it felt very like lackadaisical, almost like uh, Willy Wonka's like, no, stop, don't. <laughs> it kind of felt like that to me. He was like, Muffy, no. <laughs> I'm sure that was just... They had to get these actors in and out of the studio pretty yes. quick. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Okay, Krusty, uh, we're ready. What the? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so then the rest of the movie is stopping Gene Hackman. Yes, because we then finally learn his true plan, which is to kill all the workers, as we talked about. Uh, and he does. Chris Walken has a brief moment of hesitation, but he still goes along with it. But he's he, okay with the flooding part, but <laughs> Gene Hackman almost tackling Z. That's the part where he gets, That's where he draws the line. <laughs> Genocide's fine, but fisticuffs. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> so he does redeem himself, though, because he, he, he starts pulling the ants up because they form a giant chain. Yeah, they form like a big like tower. Yes. And Stallone's at the bottom holding the whole thing up because that's his hero moment, which is fun. Yeah, I like that. I'll hold, go up. I'll hold up the whole, the whole colony myself. He, he's Atlas. He literally yeah. has got the whole world on his shoulders. And the water's rising, and it's like, maybe he'll drown, but he's obviously not going to drown. The water seemed like it should be rising a lot faster than it was. 
I mean, when you learn at the end of the movie that it's just a little puddle in Central Park, it's not like a full lake. I it's guess. like a puddle, like an inch deep and like, I don't know, like a foot wide like I in circumference. Right. I did like, too, that the, uh, we haven't really talked about it, but the the worker ant, like, foreman middle manager is ultimately <laughs> sure. the one who does the damage that breaks the dam. Oh, yeah, too. He, he does not budge. He's protecting his uh, ant his position in the ant hierarchy. <laughs> once you get once you've ascended to that, you don't want to give that sure, up. Sure, yeah. He's like you know, Z cannot convince. Uh, you know, he's there to convince everybody to stand down, and he won't. You know, he can't do it. Nope. It's just they they needed to find a way to get the floods. So they got to have a big dramatic yeah. ending. So you know, of course, the foreman. You never learn what happened to that foreman. I guess maybe. No, I, I think it's safe to say everybody made it out safely. I mean, he seems like a lack. Like once Z is in charge, that foreman is be like, "Yeah, whatever you say, Z." Oh, he's yeah. he's fully lackeyed up. I mean, he is a yes man yeah, without a doubt. Absolutely. So as soon as there's a new boss, whatever you say, boss. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I think we should have seen that. And we don't get enough of like now Z's in charge, and you just get a little voiceover of like I, things are good. We're having yeah. a family of one million larvae, or whatever he says. Yes. Start. I think starting at one million. Yeah, yeah. And then yes, you pan out. Happily ever after, and it's in Central Park. Central Park. Park. And the, whole, the whole thing is like a three foot, like that's that that's the part that kind of annoyed me because it's like, yes, they're small, but they're not that small. Yeah. The, the distances that the movie depicts of just like it's a trek to Houston Insectopia. It took us all day. It's like five feet when they pull back. It's like an ant can walk five feet in like yes. two minutes. I. It's, it's just I, the many scale things, of this is yeah, just it's dubious. Again, it's a kids' movie. You can't really hold it up to too much scrutiny, but at some point, it's just like, all right, fair enough. This is not worth the gag. No. It was in Central Park. Who cares? I. It only matters because Woody Allen. If Woody Allen wasn't playing this part, this would mean nothing. I agree. So, all all right, right, you ready? Sure. Technology. It's already up in the cloud. What cloud? What cloud? All right, this is the segment of the show where we would <laughs> yeah. discuss how changes in technology impact the plot, key storylines, or other aspects of the movie. However, with an animated children's movie, I don't have anything. Yeah, what, what technology do ants have now they didn't have in 1998? Exactly. So, unfortunately, this segment has to fall by the wayside this, this episode. Yeah, I mean, you could talk about the technology of creating a CG uh, movie, but that's, there's nothing interesting about that. Not really. This is in the early days of CG animation. It, it didn't look terrible either. I mean, it didn't look crisp. Toy Story, I think, looked a lot better, but it... it it's serviceable. It's worth, yeah. $101 million or whatever. It goes a better look, at least okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd think it would age worse. Like, you know, you watch like Tron now, and it's just like, ooh. I mean, that was mid-80s, so that's even farther back. But you watch that stuff, it's just like, oh, my God. This was supposed to take, you know, everyone raved about it at the time. All I can think of of Tron is Homer Simpson. I'm sorry. I'll never be able to get that out of my head. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Really? Oh, the Treehouse of Horror episode when you get 3D Homer, because he goes into that... I vaguely remember now. What's the line? Do you remember the line? Has anybody seen the movie Tron? No, <laughs> no, no. no. Right. Yes. I, no, I, I mean, no. <laughs> that's right. Okay. All right. Little details. Sure. Let's move on. Instead of talking about Tron, let's actually talk about this movie. That cardboard headstone tipped over. The, this graveyard is obviously phony. All right. The little details. The segment of the show where we discuss minutia that we found interesting or noteworthy in the movie. Yeah. This may be quick. We'll see. But... Um all right. Why don't you Why don't you lead us off? Okay. Well, just I I I have my notes in order of when they occurred. Yeah, so all right. It's I just have a note of a line that I found funny, which was when the princess goes into the bar 
and she's got like two friends with her or like handmaidens or whatever they're supposed to be and they're like we shouldn't be in here and she goes just tell them it was my idea and they go it was your idea it's such a dumb line but for some reason that made me laugh <laughs> made, i actually found that more funny than intellectually i know it is i look at that joke and I'm like that's not that funny but for some reason i really laughed a lot at that well i've got actually one like that involving uh the general and uh, Princess Bala, when they have their introduction for the first time, and he gives her like whatever he has on his pack schedule, he only has like four seconds or whatever. Oh yeah, I think I think we can open up a few a few minutes for you to have. Uh, but it wasn't even minutes. No, it was a few like seconds okay. of for quality time. That's how packed his day was. But right. it's that she has anything interesting happen to you in your day? We declared war. <laughs> for some reason, that sat made yeah. me laugh. He's a very single-minded guy, this yes. uh, Gene Hackman ant. Uh, okay, let's talk about the dance that they do at the bar. Oh, all right. Because it's just like a weird, farty version of Guantanamera, the, the Cuban song. And oh, I, was, I didn't notice I that. was wondering, why is it Guantanamera? Like, why, uh, it's not set in Cuba. It's not like these are Cuban ants. Why is this very, like... Particularly Cuban song, the thing it's just like, <laughs> and I was speculating. I think maybe the reason why is because there was a Wyclef John song around this time. I think it was like a year previously that used, like, sampled it, uh, and that song was very, very big. And so it's like, technically, Guantanamera is public domain because this is just like a traditional song, and Wyclef John happened to use it. So we can basically use a Wyclef John song for free. <laughs> That's Awesome. I suspect that's, that was the logic behind it. But it was, I, it was an odd choice, and I wasn't sure why they chose that song. I think you're on to something there. I had something from this dance sequence I want to know, so okay. this is perfect. I was just annoyed. Why does it at least feel like every 90s movie, if it had a dance sequence, had to reference Pulp Fiction? Did this movie, how did it oh, reference Pulp absolutely. Fiction? absolutely. Oh, did he do that? The, yes. The, 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 it's the Batusi. The Batusi, yes. yes. It's, I mean, I guess I should say, why did every 90s movie have to reference Batman? But really, it's not. It's referencing Pulp Fiction. Oh, of course, yes. No one remembered the Batusi. Well, I guess the Simpsons also remembered the Batusi. <laughs> Only because Adam West was doing the voice. Yes. Hey, Adam West, we need to talk about the Batusi. <laughs> Why doesn't uh, Batman dance anymore? I didn't notice. Who did? Did, did Z do the, the, the fingers I, across the eyes? I think it was Princess Bala that did it. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Because isn't I'm it Uma Thurman that I think does it in the movie? Yes, you're right. Yeah, so I think it was Princess Bala. They might have both done it in Pulp Fiction. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't Uma actually Thurman remember. definitely does. I don't, I don't remember. remember either, but I, honestly, it feels like in every movie that had a dance sequence, it feels like refer- in that in around this era, it had to reference Pulp Fiction. I mean, Pulp Fiction was, I mean, incredibly influential, obviously. It's like... It still is. Yeah. Almost every movie was influenced by Pulp Fiction, whether, like, like Ants, how, how you wouldn't think this movie would... But it was. ...would be influenced by that. Yeah, because it's like, uh, you know, just think about all the knockoff things they do in Denver when you're dead and stuff like that. It's just like Two every movie... in the Valley. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's exactly. There's a ton of movies that were Pulp Fiction. What was that movie with Tia Carrera and Chris Rock? I think it went straight to video... Tia Carrera and Chris Rock. There was—I uh, can't remember the name of it. Wow! I saw it on cable one time. And it was like the most copy. It was like there were three different like standoff scenes where everyone's pointing guns at each other. Like, the, the, the movie was trying so hard. What was it called? I just stumbled across it on uh, cable. I'm gonna have to look it up when we're done. Yeah, yeah. But boy, oh boy, I, I always think of that movie when I think of Pulp Fiction knockoffs because it, it was just wore it on its sleeve. Just like <laughs> they may as well have just had the pad in the dialogue. Remember Pulp Fiction? We're gonna call this movie pulp nonfiction. <laughs> sure. Oh, it was like the the the. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, no, I, it was actually mine. So if you you got another one, you. Oh, okay. Um, 
I just another fu- funny moment. This is maybe the I think the the funniest joke in the movie. Uh, Z comes back from the battle. He's the only soldier to come back. They cut to the crowd and they've got signs like you know, and one sign says "Welcome back, troops." And the S is crossed off, so it just says "Welcome back, uh, troop." I, I did see that. I think in this like that is that was pretty clever. Yeah, I thought that was very funny. Uh, so actually, around that same time of the speech for the troops, I just I've already said it, but it really did feel like Gene Hackman in Crimson Tide. I was just waiting for "We're here to preserve democracy, not practice it." Sure, the scene where he's giving the speech after the after the battle. Yeah, he gives a couple of speeches, and almost every time I was kind of like with him in a way. Because then later, when when it's Z, cause, it's because it's Crimson Tide. Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, obviously, he's more villainous in this than in Crimson Tide because he's he's trying to commit genocide essentially. Yeah. Crimson Tide is more or less just a misunderstanding. It's a misunderstanding, and it's it it's a great it's a great battle between him and Denzel. Oh, I love that movie. I I haven't watched it in a while, but I love Crimson Tide. Speaking of uh, Quentin Tarantino. Since oh, he, he did the polish on that. Yes, he did. Won't be a Silver Surfer shit. It shows right there in that scene, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's. The, he also gives a speech when Z becomes this labor folk hero, and he's just like, "Where is he now?" He's like, "He, he ran off. He doesn't care about you." And everyone's like, "Yeah, you're right." And they, they're totally like are convinced. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd follow Gene Hackman even if he, he was evil. He's very, uh, he's, you know, he's 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 charismatic. Yeah, he absolutely is. Another line that kind of hit home, especially post twenty sixteen, I would I'll say, where they're they're marching off to fight the termites, and he's talking to uh, Danny Glover, and it's like we're gonna go attack the termites, and he goes, why can't we just try to influence their political process with campaign contributions? That was my next one. So that so that that what? was very much ninety eight, uh, the movie Bullworth with um, Warren uh, Beatty. Warren Beatty came out. Campaign finance reform was very big around this time. It's kind of funny that today... Yeah, it's still big. We just don't talk about it anymore. <laughs> Everyone has just come to accept the mess that it is. Uh, yeah, so I, I also had that on my note that that was his plan. He said, no, we're not going to go to war. We'll just try and influence their politics with campaign money. I guess you're right. I'm like, I, I took the note being like, wow, this is kind of prescient, but you're right. It was a thing oh, way was, back It was then. really... Actually, it, it was it was the political topic at the time yeah. was campaign uh, finance like that was the tipping point and we we live in the post tipping of of, of all well, yeah because uh, Citizens United yeah. basically made it where <laughs> spend as much money as you want <laughs> anyway uh, what else about this movie all right, well I've got speaking of spending money the sequence in uh, Insectopia, I almost called it Trashtopia, but that's kind of what it is. A little bit more accurate. The And even before that, actually at the picnic, the Pepsi product placement was over the top. That is my next note, is the product placement. Over the top. I'm kind of impressed that they were able to squeeze in this much product placement in a movie about ants. Like They, they did it. They managed to make it work. And it is prominent. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Because it's a massive bottle of Slice yep. and a massive bottle of Pepsi. And Mountain Dew. I've got yes. the list here. And I kind of wondered, look, I am a soda drinker, but if I'm on a picnic, I don't need three two liters of soda at that picnic. No wonder they have ants at their picnic. <laughs> All this soda. Yes, they're kind of getting what they're asking for. And they have three different types of soda, and then they have a, a jar of B&G kosher pickles. Because <laughs> it's like, you need a whole jar of pickles at your picnic. You don't just like put, you know, you make the sandwiches at home and put the pickle on and That's bring. Normally, what you do is you would make the sandwiches at home. <laughs> no, you need, you need, you can't see the product placement if the pickle's on the sandwich. <laughs> you need the not. jar of B and G kosher pickles because a 
pickle, even a brand name pickle, kind of they all look the same. So you sure. need that jar with the label. Absolutely, you do. You do. And then later, uh, there's like uh, there's a couple more product placement uh, spots at, at the uh, at Insectopia. Well, yeah, you get one with actually. This is my last one. Or, yeah, probably my last one. Yeah, I don't have my note here. I, 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 well, you've got a motor oil thing there. Yes. I want to know. One, who is throwing used motor oil containers out in Central Park? But then, is this a theme? We're now going to have two movies in a row that motor <laughs> yeah. oil is a very prominent product. I noted that, yeah, for sure. Two, two straight motor oil, and and both you jump very in. strange. That's one of my questions. It's not just the motor oil, but uh, we can talk about who you know. Who brings motor oil to a, uh, to Central Park? Near, near a Someone's area. tossing off, uh, tossing away half full bottle of scotch. Oh, I didn't think about the scotch. Who's who's just wasting all that scotch, throwing it in the trash in Central Park? Crazy drunk drivers. <laughs> Maybe it was, it was red. Probably red. It's red. Yeah, he wouldn't throw away his scotch though. Maybe that's just where he stores it. You know, I'll be back and for he's this. Very upset that, <laughs> that wasp is in there yeah, drinking some. Some, some wasp drank all my scotch. Crazy drunk drivers. Um, yeah, but uh, the, the product well, placement. I mean, it's it's kind of impressive. I, I give this movie. I, I'm I'm generally annoyed by product placement, especially when it's so blatant. But I almost had to give this movie credit. Like, way to go! You did it. You owned it. Yeah. All right. Well, that that's really actually what I had in the little details. Have you got more? I've got a couple more. All right, let's I, hear them. I was annoyed at. And I wonder if this is just because they cranked this movie out so fast that the audio wasn't so good. But the, mm. during the shoe adventure. The princess gets stuck in a piece of gum under under someone's shoe. You never see, you know, the people. You just see like the probably the a shoes. person with a magnifying glass. Probably yes. This is all one person just menacing these ants. But um, Sharon Stone is just screaming at the top of her lungs. It's true to the point where they fully blow out the mics. And maybe this is just I'm more aware of this because I do the editing for this yeah, podcast probably. and I'm I know more about. I don't know a ton, but I know more about audio than I used to. And just yeah. Fully, fully peaked. Like they must be at one hundred fifty percent, whatever those, those mics can pick up. Just it, it was clipping so much, and I was just like, "That's bad." Like that's, I mean, for a hundred movies million dollar, are hard, yeah, yeah, movies are hard to make. Mistakes get made, but like that's just bad audio engineering. It's just totally distorted, and it just bugged me. All no right. pun intended. It bugged me. God damn it! <laughs> I'm so mad at myself that I did that by mistake. <laughs> A verbal virality statute <laughs> on the ants episode. Uh, I, I'm, normally, when I make an accidental pun, it's actually like, "Oh, I'm in cheek." You know what? Yeah, I, I I didn't mean to make that pun, but oh, hey, like that, was, that was actually not bad. It bugged me. That was that's bad. That's like the worst kind of dad joke. All right, I apologize for it, even though I did it by mistake. What else you got? Um, okay, there's a line that made me think of the Big Lebowski. Ooh, where uh, the princess has been hauled back to the 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 colony. And she has a confrontation with Gene Hackman, and she goes, I don't like the way you think, I don't like the way you run this colony, and I don't like you. Which made, just made me think of the sheriff of Malibu. Oh, stay out of <laughs> I don't Malibu. Like, I don't like your jerk-off face, I don't like your jerk-off name, and I don't like you, <laughs> jerk-off. <laughs> My favorite one-scene ca- uh, character in that movie is the sheriff of, of Malibu. Stay out of Malibu, Lebowski. Uh, I'm fully embracing Big Lebowski. I've I've come all the way around in the last year or so. Like it's becoming one of my favorite movies again. I'm glad I'm glad it is. I never had the same love that you did. I, I always liked it. But so I never, I guess, felt the overexposure because I never paid enough attention to where everybody in the world thought, you know, yeah. how great the Big Lebowski was. What's funny is that the scene that comes right after that is the one that pops into my head every time an Eagles song comes on. 
That is all I can think of is that scene and the big Lebowski. Yeah. Get out of my cab. <laughs> Just how much that cabbie loves the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, and then one last note is this movie ends with the song High Hopes. Yes. Purely because the opening lyric is about an ant trying to move a rubber tree plant. Uh, and I'll just say, remember this song in two to three of episodes. Okay. Just remember the song High Hopes. All right. It'll be relevant soon. Okay. By the end of the season. It's good to know. So, that's all. Okay, should we move on to questions? Let's do it. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. All right, The Devil's Advocate, the segment of the show where we ask each other questions and do our best to answer them from items we noted or scenes in the movie. Yeah, I think we covered a lot of mine already. Uh, some of mine uh, we, we did for sure, but here's, here's maybe I'll lead off and I'll go with my first one. All right. All right, so we get a sequence where the baby ants are being, larvae are being paraded through and been giving assignments. Yeah. We see a worker, we see a soldier. That's basically the two jobs. We never see a bartender assigned. <laughs> yes. Is there? <laughs> well, they hand them little implements. Right. The workers get a pickaxe, the, the soldiers get, get a, a World War II helmet. Yes. They should have given someone a, a bottle, bartender. Yes. Can, bottle of scotch. Can you tell me, is there anything... Any indication that it is anything more than totally arbitrary of how the jobs are assigned? I guess that guy has a sixth sense, whoever is assigning out these jobs. He's got jobs. antenna that's up. Sure, yeah, maybe. He sees it in their eyes. He sees these you know, larvae, and he says, that's a worker if I've ever seen okay. one. I don't know. That's, there's, there's no explanation it's to it. It's arbitrary. Okay. I mean, they're given their tools to... Immediately. Immediately, they can't even like move. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You would, I, I don't know antibiology, but I would, uh, I would assume that there's a biological difference, right? Uh, I think so. And well, there's uh, workers and there's like drones and there's or there's a like, yeah because I, Colonel Cutter I think is a drone because Colonel Cutter can fly. Right? Are those called drones or is it called something else? I forget. But yeah, there's the I flying ones. Drones. Yeah. There's the queen. There's the flying ones. And there's there's the workers. So you'd think it would just be based on. Whatever came out of the, the larva. like strength, yeah, something. Yeah, I, it, yeah. I don't know. I, it's based on nothing. I think it's arbitrary. He's, right. he's off screen, like spinning a wheel, probably. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I actually like that. The yeah. best. All right. As good an explanation as any. They may as well have done that. What's your first question? Uh, okay, so the guy uh, um, John Mahoney at the bar tells he gives the directions to Insectopia. Yes, he says, "Ah, there's a monolith," and then. Continue until you come to the land of red and white. He says something like that. He talks about the land of red and white. Does that mean that this picnic blanket, oh. which is the land of red and white, is a permanent fixture? Or is it just that their time frame is so short? They live for such a short amount of time that all of this took, is taking place during a single picnic. I think it's got to be the time frame. Because I can't imagine that the same type of checkered picnic, although probably a very popular design if you're going to have a you know a picnic tablecloth or whatever sure i think it's just got to be that the the time frame is so short that it happens to be that john mahoney saw that checker board of that that picnic we see at least one day night go by right because it's this night when they're they're camping at yeah, insectopia back. you're right and the bohemian uh <laughs> the, you know they're yes. literally eating crap and yes. then discussing the quality of it uh, so You're yeah, right, I, though. That uh, that does undermine my answer. So that's I, a very specific directions. Of, I mean, the, obviously, the, the quote unquote monolith is just a water fountain, so that's not going anywhere. No, but the the checkered, the land of red and white. Yeah, that that's that's a flaw in the movie. Okay, I'll I think take it's it. It's a flaw in the movie. All right, so I've got another. Uh, well, not another. You said you don't know ant. 
uh, anatomy or biology, but I'm going to ask you a question anyway. Okay. Can a ant head speak when it is no longer attached to its body? According Maybe not this, speak, but can, can it function? According to this movie, yes. I feel like that is a thing that, like... That's like a real biological thing where like insect heads can like live for a long time, okay, b- b- on their own or something. All right, I don't know why, or maybe I'm thinking of like bees when they sting you and the stinger comes out that, and they can survive I, a little. Yeah, that I know. I don't know. I, f- I feel like there is some there's some like insect that like can lose its head deliberately. Yeah, uh, ha- gets its head ripped off or something. I don't even remember. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> I'm thinking. Deliberately of. gets their head ripped. Too, you off. know, because they're ants and, and real ants. They would gladly like die to protect the colony, right? Unlike Z, the selfish bastard. Uh, Z has no interest in anybody but himself. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, for some reason, I want to say I've heard I've like that's a thing. That's a All real right. thing. That ants or bugs, some kind of bug, can live for a while. All right. Me ahead. All right. What's your uh, next this, question? This movie tells us that it is, so we have to disbelieve. All right. Ants. Uh, we've talked about basically everything else. I have. Okay. I have one last question. If you've got more, go ahead because this is kind of a a big one. I don't have a big one, so let's end on yours. It's a big one. All right. All right. My my last question, I didn't have a lot either. Do ant colonies have trash chutes? I guess so. <laughs> Once again, the movie tells us this. I, I don't trust this movie for real biological facts. Uh, let me put it that way. <laughs> All right. That's fair enough. I mean, I, I would assume that, like any society, this, this colony, ant colonies have waste and have to deal with it, right? You know, I don't think there's a trash chute, but whatever. Okay. Well, not a trash chute that somehow the gravity goes up. That's the part that doesn't really oh, make that sense. Too. You're they're right. They're underground and they go down a chute and suddenly they're on the surface. That's actually a better question. <laughs> I guess it's like a pneumatic so, tube. It's like they've got like yes. air pressure to push them up. Somehow to the surface. there is air pressure in Central Park. <laughs> sure. Well, that's that's one of the ants. One of the types of ants is like the the they blow air through through the tunnels. <laughs> I like that. To blow it's the a trash different out. job. All right. What's your your big last question? Okay. Well, I, I maybe you've oversold it, but it's a, it's more of a plot question, so that's why I wanted to save it to last. So, when they're opening the mega tunnel, which is the tunnel that's going to kill everybody, yes. Gene Hackman gives a speech. I'm sorry, I'm just referring to them by the actor. When I say Gene Hackman, imagine an ant. It's General... <laughs> General I, something. I didn't even write it down. He so. gives a big speech about the glorious, you know, we did a great job building this tunnel, and now we're going to open the, you know, the great and glorious tunnel. And then the queen gives a speech, basically saying a similar thing. I don't remember what she, exactly she says. And while she's giving her speech, the general and all the military men get the hell out of there and, and block the... Uh, the tunnels. With, it's almost with, like a villain monologue. She's talking too long. Yeah, kind of. I mean, she's the queen. She's trying to inspire people. But my question is, what did Gene Hackman tell the queen was the tunnel was for? Because at no point does anyone say, "Here's like, what's the cover story?" Is essentially my question. Oh. Is because at no point does the queen say this tunnel will help us get food more quickly, or like they never explain what everybody else think thinks does. this tunnel. Is no, I, you're right. I don't think it is ever said. It's just the mega tunnel. The mega tunnel. I I don't know if he does have a cover story of why that tunnel is needed. I mean, he must, right? But we never. I, I wasn't sure if I missed it or. I'm trying to think of what. All right, what? So, devil's advocate, I'm supposed to answer what his <laughs> cover story was. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speculate that the cover story was it was a more effective and efficient path to food. That, okay. that, that's what I think the megatunnel – that's what the cover story was. That's my, would, that's my best shot. All right. No, that, that, that's basically what, what I was speculating also. But you would think someone – I guess they don't know that, that that puddle is there. No one knows the puddle is there. 
It must be the queen and the worker ants don't know, but obviously the general does because that's his method for genocide. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because he had Colonel Cutter probably go up there and do a little recon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense because he knows where Insectopia is, right? Yeah. Salone gives up Z, and he, uh, he gets, Christopher Walken he immediately gets, flies there and says, "I know where that is." And, uh, Walken doesn't know. The general knows and tells that's Cutter right. where he needs to that's go. That's right. So, oh, you're right. Because like, it's real. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the general's done some recon. Okay. Because yeah, I think it would have been more uh, satisfying if Z put two and two together of like, wait a minute. The distance from the, the colony. <laughs> That's that puddle. Yeah, it's exactly the same as the puddle. And if he figured it out himself, instead of just like, how does he find out now that I'm, now that we're talking through it? How does he learn that the general's planning this? How do they learn? <laughs> I don't remember. Because <laughs> the, the, the two storylines are so separate. Well, I think Princess Bala is the one who knows. Because oh, she's held he tells captive. Her he tells when her what's going to happen. When she's held captive. Oh, no, no, no. They see, now I remember. They see, there's like a map cut into like four parts. Oh, that's and right. And they put it all together. Oh, it's, you know, look, it's underneath. Right. The, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's how they learn it. All right. So you ready to, your big moment, the Silk Kozar corner? Sure, I actually have one this time. Both of y'all. Yes, I'm This is the segment where I take a deep dive into some piece of internet trivia uh, that the movie uh, made me curious about, named in honor of Silk Kozar's character in Eraser. All right. I don't want to set a precedent here. This 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 season is going to be particularly strange. It was already going to be kind of ramshackle even before uh, we were put into quarantine and stuff. Although theoretically, that gives me more time. But um, yes, yeah, theoretically, it's not really working out that way. <laughs> That's my my job is still busy. But anyway, this is not a promise that you know the next couple of episodes will have a silk cozart. But I wanted to dig into. I hope they do. I hope so too. I will try. So I wanted to look at. What you were talking about earlier, the deep impact Armageddon (sighs) types of pairings of movies. First of all, I want to cover why Ants exists, because it's actually kind of uh, an interesting and hilarious story. I'll summarize from Wikipedia, but um, let me just read selected parts of Wikipedia. In 1988, Walt Disney Feature Animation was pitched a movie called Army Ants, about a pacifist worker ant teaching lessons of independent thinking to his militaristic colony. Years later, Jeffrey Katzenberg, then chairman of Disney's film division, had left the company in a feud with CEO Michael Eisner over the vacant president position after the death of uh, Frank Wells. Katzenberg would later go on to help co-found DreamWorks Pictures with Steven Spielberg and David Geffen, and the three planned to rival Disney with the company's new animation division. Moving on, after DreamWorks' acquisition of uh, they bought a company to, to do the CGI, Pixar director John Lasseter, Steve Jobs, and others at Pixar were dismayed to learn from the trade papers that PDI's first project at DreamWorks would be another ant film to be called Ants. By this time, Pixar's project, then similarly called Bugs, was well known within the animation community. At the time, the current Disney studio executives were starting a bitter competitive rivalry with Jeffrey Katzenberg and his new DreamWorks films. In 1995, Katzenberg announced The Prince of Egypt to debut in November 1998 as DreamWorks' first animated release. A year later, Disney scheduled Bugs to open the same weekend, which infuriated Katzenberg. And this will, I think, explain your $101 million figure. Katzenberg invited Disney executives to DreamWorks to negotiate a release date changed to Bugs, but the company refused to budge. Katzenberg then moved the opening of Ants from March 1999 to October 1998 in order to successfully beat A Bug's Life into cinemas. (laughs) David Price writes in his 2008 book, The Pixar Touch, that a rumor, quote, never confirmed was that Katzenberg had given PDI, quote, rich financial incentives to induce them to whatever it would take to have Ants ready first, despite Pixar's head start. (laughs) 
Uh, and then there's some more. We spend no expense. Exactly. So they, they just they just threw the money. They backed up the money truck to make sure this movie got out before a bug's life is essentially what happened. So it was a spite movie, is what you're saying? <laughs> it was a spite movie, much like uh, this season's Curb, <laughs> the Spite Star. It very much is a spite movie. That's exactly That's right. Funny. It's a spite movie. Um. Anyway, there's more details here. But what I wanted to do, so this story made me curious about: is it actually an advantage? To be the first one to theaters. Wow. Or is it just an advantage to be good? Yes. Well, which one? I mean, obviously, this is unscientific, but what I did is, in addition to Ants and a Bug's Life, I took eight other pairings of movies much like this, and I looked up which one came out first and which one did better at the box office. Would you like to guess A, would you like to guess whether being earlier late oh. wins out of those nine pairings? Uh... Early or late. It's tough to know if, if the late ones... I'm gonna, Here's what I'm going to say. If the late ones means that they wound up focusing more on quality, whether it's the effects or the story... Sure. And it wasn't just because they were delayed because a pandemic. Right. I'm going to go late. I think late okay. is better. I mean, obviously, there's, there's, there's nine, nine pairings here. This is not a big sample set. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, every single situation is different. But I'm going to read through each one of these pairings. All right. Do you want to guess which one of these wins each each one of these? Or yeah, I'll guess each time. Okay, so we're going to start with Deep Impact and Armageddon. Oh, uh, Deep no. Impact came out May 1998. Armageddon came out two months later, July 1998. These are all movies that came out within a year of each other with similar subject yeah. matters. Uh, I, I, Armageddon had to be the bigger. That was a huge movie. Okay, so you're saying the, the later yes. movie. And that's correct. Armageddon made $553 million. Deep Impact, $349 million, which is a lot, lot more successful than I thought. Yeah, same year. Both right. of those movies, like, just... They were juggernauts. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. Okay, next. Dante's Peak versus Volcano. <laughs> Dante's, oh, my God. They're both trash. Dante's Peak came out in February 97. Volcano came out in April 97. I just watched Dante's Peak. It's <laughs> oh, cause it was, so... Because it was on, it was on your, uh, yeah, your, your daylight DVD. It's so stupid. I've never seen Dante's Peak. I've only seen Volcano. Oh, it's so dumb. Um... I'm gonna guess uh, volcano was later. Yes, I'm like gonna two still months. I'm gonna still go with volcano because I think I think it had better names behind that movie. So I bet you volcano did better. I would have said the same thing, and I would have been incorrect. By the way, this is worldwide gross, which maybe yeah, is, maybe. is but but um, Dante's Peak made 178 million dollars. Volcano made 122 million dollars. Wow. Okay. So one for the early. So yeah, it's one and one, one. It's one and two because uh. uh a Bug's Life did better than Ants, so... You just assume that. Yeah, I, I, we never talked about A Bug's Life, so I guess I, I skipped over. But yeah, so one to two. All right, next is Saving Private Ryan versus The Thin Red Line. Oh. Saving Private Ryan came out July 24th, 1998. Thin Red Line, December 25th, 1998. That's not even close. Thin Red Line barely existed in theaters. Saving Private Ryan was yeah. probably uh, the that, biggest movie of the year. That's an easy one for sure. Okay, yeah. 482 million versus 98.1 million. I'm not a big Terrence Malick fan, so. No, I'm not either. We've discussed that before. Yeah. So we're two to two now. Or the early and the later ones, it's tied up. White House Down versus Olympus Has Fallen. <laughs> It's so <laughs> annoying. Uh, White House Down, or Olympus Has Fallen came out first. March 2013, and White House Down came out in June 2013. I'm going to guess uh, Olympus Has Fallen did better of those two. I also would have guessed that, and I also would have been wrong. White House Down made more money than... I know. You assume because Olympus Has Fallen has had sequels, and White yes! House Down has not. White House Down made $205 million. Olympus Has Fallen made $170 million. Wow. Pretty close, but... Yeah, I never... I Honestly, I never would have guessed the other way on that. I I don't think I've There's seen... three of those movies. What's the third one? It's like either just coming out or just came out. 
Oh, but that's not within a year of these two. No, what I'm saying is that there's been three oh, from, th- oh, sequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From okay, the Fallen yeah. movie. Wow. Yeah, because it's like London has fallen, and then what? Earth has fallen. I don't know what the third one was. Uh, no, the third one, it like it just came out. Yeah, yeah. What it, was it called, though? I, the second one's London has fallen. I don't know what the third one's called. I can't remember. I just know the drones like trying to attack Morgan Freeman. Yes, I do remember the trailers, yes. I, I saw the first one. I, have not, I don't think I ever saw White House yeah. Down. That's the one with Jamie Foxx, right? Yeah. Yeah, I never saw that one. Uh, okay, so so the later movies are up three to two as of right now. Next is Tombstone versus Wyatt Earp. Oh, Tombstone came out Christmas nineteen eighty three. Wyatt Earp came out June nineteen ninety four. Oh, I was gonna say that'd be nineties, not eighties. Yeah, sorry, ninety three, ninety four. Oh, Tombstone, no doubt. Uh, that is correct. Fifty six point five million for Tombstone, which is not a no, it's ton. Not, no, it's not as big as I would have thought. Wyatt Earp did not do well. Twenty five point one million for Wyatt Earp. That and that—that's the example that I would have guessed, though, of fatigue. It's like yeah. that literally is the same story. At least with some of these fictionalized ones of Deep Impact Armageddon, you can kind of come up with some stuff that's different. That literally is the same story. Well, that's a similar thing to Ants and A Bug's Life, where Kevin Costner was going to be in. Tombstone, and then he backed out and went like, I'm just going to make my own Wyatt Earp movie. That's, that's basically what happened. Because he was t- making too many demands on the script, and they're like, no. We, you're going you're gonna to shoot it the way we wrote it. And he's yes. like, well, no, I'm not. I'm going to shoot this other movie instead. I've that, never seen Wyatt Earp. I love Tombstone. I, I was going to say, because what I was going to say to Kevin Costner, everybody's just going to love Val Kilmer in this movie anyway, so it doesn't really matter yeah. <laughs> what you are in this movie. He needed to be first on that one, because, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. I've never seen it, so maybe it's good. I've heard it's okay, but it doesn't hold up the Tombstones from what I hear. Okay, next is The Prestige versus The Illusionist. Oh, it's not, one, it's not even close. I've seen both. It actually is closer than you would think. Really? Yeah. I'm not going to say. Well, I, I can tell you this. The Prestige is way better. I've seen both. I've never seen The Illusions. The Illusions came out first. August 2006 versus October 2006. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to guess The Prestige. Yeah. The Prestige uh, made more money, but it was close. $109 million versus $87 million. Wow. They, actually, Closer they, than you'd think. And they also both made more than I would have guessed. Yeah, I think yeah, probably. I mean, I can't imagine either of those movies made took a ton of like had a huge budget. No, I mean they're, they're period pieces. Period pieces, so costumes a little bit. But. Yeah, yeah. All right, two more. Next is the score versus heist. Uh, if you remember these, one's a David Mamet movie, and one is Marlon Brando's last film. Marlon, the score I remember. Which uh, so who's, who's the heist? That's or heist. Uh, I think I think De Niro's in it. It's, it's a Mamet. No, he's it's, in the score. Oh, you're right. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, who's in the heist? Norton and uh, no Norton. All three of them are in the score. Ed Norton, De Niro, and Marlon yeah, Brando yeah. are in the that, score. The score. That's I don't remember heist. I don't I'm remember. Go, yeah. I don't remember heist, so I'm going the score. Yeah, it's a David Mamet movie, but I've never seen. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the score made 111 million dollars. Heist made 28.5. Okay, and the score came out first, so it's all tied up four to four, and it all comes down to Mission to Mars versus Red Planet. Oh. <laughs> March uh, Mission to Mars came out in March 2000 and Red Planet came out in November 2000 Red Planet has Val Kilmer Mission to Mars has Gary Sinise or am I thinking of Apollo 13 <laughs> <laughs> well he's definitely in Apollo 13 I think he might also be in Mission to Mars oh my god I, honestly this is a coin flip I have no idea I'm gonna go I'll go Mission to Mars Mission to Mars is correct so 111 million for Mission to Mars uh, 33.5 million for Red Planet. I would much rather watch The Martian out of over sure. either of those two. That's actually a good movie. Martian is a really good movie. I've seen parts of Mission to Mars. I remember very little about it other than it being bad. Okay. I think that's, uh, that's uh, um, what's his name? Who did uh, Mission Impossible, the first Mission Impossible? Uh, um, Brian De Palma. Oh. It's like one of Brian De Palma's last movies, I think. Oh. 
I remember Scarface and Snake Eyes is what. Yeah, I, I should have gone with Scarface. Yeah. yeah, I should know my my audience here. That's fine. So yeah, so in, interesting. In, in theory, it's being basically early, a coin toss. Yeah, early technically wins five to four. Yeah, but it's so, basically a coin toss. Yeah, I mean it means nothing. This whole exercise has been pointless because there's not <laughs> enough there's not enough examples to really make any conclusions. But all right, but it was an interesting Silk Cozart corner. Yeah, I just wanted to go through those. All so, right, there you go. Now while we're here, all right, let's do the body count. This movie we only killed 48 people compared to the last one where we killed 119. And it's an animated children's movie, but there actually are a lot of bodies in it. It's kind of uncountable in a way because uh, <laughs> the carnage that happens in that termite uh, battle. On both I, sides. I counted on-screen deaths, for what it's worth. I don't know if it really matters. But, but also, Stallone is not in the battle, so... Yes, so the real the, the, the number that matters is zero, and that's Stallone. Yeah. You'd, you'd think at some point he would have, you know... He would have killed Gene Hackman or something. No. He was too He's busy the, holding up the entire colony. Holding up the colony and making a play for Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. So now we are at 36 movies. Sylvester Stallone is still sitting at 399, since he had zero in this one. Which gives him an average of 10.78 per movie, and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger currently has an average body count of 14.39. And as far as Stallone's pace, his number to beat is 547, which is Arnold's total body count, and Stallone is currently on pace for 604. Right. So his pace is dropping, but he's still in the still lead. Still in the lead to beat Arnold. Yes. All right. So we've got an award to give out now. We do. Outstanding achievement. Explosion. I'm going to be. I'm very interested in who you give the award to here. I know exactly who I'm giving it to. Uh, do you want to go first? Or should the, I? I mean, I'm happy to go first if you want. Unless you've got. A, do you have a trick up your sleeve? I don't. Have a, I don't know if I have a trick up my sleeve. I think this for me it was an obvious award to give. Okay, maybe it's maybe you have the same. This is the first time I've ever put an exclamation point in in my notes for this well, now category. I, now I want to know. But I just wrote termites. <laughs> <laughs> termites get it. They get really? the award. Oh, oh see, the I, carnage that they they caused in that battlefield! They were also horrifying. They spit like acid out of their heads, and okay, they, it was horrifying. It was horrifying with the acid. But I went. I awarded it to Barbados because he is the only named ant voiced by Danny Glover. Yeah, the ants also wipe out all the termites. So I want. I like to believe that Barbados. He took a lot of termites down. Yeah, but Barbados is less scary. Take, you see, he's not as scary. He, you see him because he bails out Z's. He's about to get taken That's out true. by a termite, and in comes Barbados, and he's just like laughing and having a good time while he's doing it. I think Barbados is a stone cold killer. He kills one termite. The he termites will wipe out that. an entire army. I guess right. in theory that the ants wiped out the termite army, I yes, guess. but there were more ants. That, that's how they yeah. overwhelmed the termites is with sheer numbers. Right. Just wait. It's sort of like playing Axis and Allies and you're the Russians. <laughs> oh, great. I'm building infantry this whole game and just going <laughs> to throw infantry at the Germans. Well, I haven't played Axis and Allies in a long time. Yeah. It's, it's, we uh, should play. We should play. We should, we should play uh, what, what, that Cold War game. I forget that. Oh called. yeah, I remember. I really liked that. That was fun. I was fun. Uh, I wasn't very good at Twilight it. Struggle. Yes. Yeah, we only played it one time. Uh, yeah. I think both of those Wrecking Crew. I think those are both fair. We basically gave it to the opposite armies Side. of each of the battle because that's the one scene where there's actually like you know carnage happening. No explosions, but plenty of carnage for sure. No. All right, all right. Let's rate the movie. Do it. All right, the Rocky rating. This is the segment of the show where we rank the movie based on Rocky opponents from Apollo Creed down to Spider Rico. 
Yeah. And I, I'm this movie is so unremarkable, I feel like there's only one rating oh. to give it, in my oh. opinion. Well, what is that? That's a Mason Dixon. I have a Mason Dixon as well. It's just it's, it's not bad and it's not good. It yeah. just exists. It's a movie. <laughs> it's a movie. <laughs> it, yeah, there's not it, it's it's perfectly fine. Yeah. But like I said, in a year I won't be able to tell you a thing that happened. Other than Woody Allen and Sylvester Stallone are in it. I'll probably remember Gene Hackman this time. I didn't remember that before, but and maybe right. Sharon Stone. Well, that, uh, that was this episode. It is now my pick. Yep. Um, not a lot of options. The categories are getting thin. So what that also means is we're working our way to Rocky Balboa is what it really means. Yeah, we, we, we accidentally burned a category by picking. I picked a movie that is not available anywhere. So that's one fewer movie. We're, we're, we're talking about uh, replacing it with something. Yeah, we'll replace it, and it'll be your pick. But it's my pick. So I went to the last remaining category, Serious Stallone. Yep. Uh, and Westworld is back on the air, and a star of Westworld is in my pick. Oh, I didn't know this. I don't know anything about either of these movies that are left. Uh, so I, uh, Tandy Newton is in Shade. Oh, great. I'd like to say that's the reason why, but it's really just a ruse. I happen to see it was on Amazon Prime for free, so that's the reason why I picked Shade. All right. So we're going. I actually I know nothing about it. I know absolutely nothing. I, I was searching. Nothing about it. For Stallone movies, actually, to see just to make sure it was available to rent at least on Amazon. And what did I see? But I see it's free. So I'm like, well, I'm going with free yeah. instead of Z. Well, it's free. It's you're paying your yeah. yearly subscription. But yes. other besides that, it's free. No, the you know Amazon Prime plus 2003 Tandy Newton. That seems like yeah. a pretty good uh, pick. I think that's as good a reason as any. So that's that's what we're going to do, and that's the show. And if you've enjoyed the show, please like us on your podcast app of choice. Maybe write us a favorable review about our distaste for Woody Allen. <laughs> the review is entirely about our distaste for Woody Allen. Yes, that's what it's going to be. We, were, we laid off him pretty, I mean, we didn't really... Uh, we haven't. We, we were very forgiving about Woody Allen, I think. Whoa. Well, we're not, not, I'm just saying it didn't come up a lot. No, because I think we just didn't want to... Yeah, sorry. I didn't, I didn't, not, 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 that, not that we forgiving. were forgiving, you're right, but, but just... It didn't uh, color our conversation as much as I would have expected. No. Put it that way. Well, especially uh, it's just to have him in a kids movie. Yeah, well, let's you know what? Forget it. It was nineteen ninety eight. Yes, <laughs> but even in nineteen ninety eight, he was like a fifty five year old man. <laughs> it's like that's what the kids want. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. And uh, if you like the show, and uh, you've got friends or family who you think might also like the show, and let them know about the show. Word of mouth. Absolutely, and we'll hear from you maybe at Arms Race Podcast on Twitter and. In the meantime, we'll be back with Shade. Guess what makes that little old ant think he'll move that rubber tree plant? Anyone knows an ant can't move a rubber tree plant, but he's got high hopes. He's got high hopes. He's got high apple pie in the sky. Hope so anytime you get low. Stay.